one series of every believer's core value. Well, we got to have those. The world has to see something that is different in our lives. This morning, I, I want to talk to you uh, about a subject um, called servanthood. We do good at that. I'll explain why, but we could do better. It's a commitment to use our gifts in ministry. So let me, um, let me begin this by uh, talking about two people right off the bat. Kathy and Judy, they work behind the scenes and helping people with food. We have a food pantry, and, and I wish they could be here when we have someone knock at the door, and, and, and they hear about our food pantry, and they, and they come in, we give them food for, for several days to be able to put on a table, and, and there's been times as these big strapping guys, just tears going down their cheeks because they have something to feed their children with. Not only are we able to do that throughout the week? We're able to do that on special holidays. Thanksgiving, we will, they provide with the help of the church and that of feeding 100 to 200 individuals a Thanksgiving meal. We put together a food box. They do the same for Christmas. They do the same for different holidays that come up. Um, Kathy is already talking about what's the next holiday? Easter, right? Easter. She's already planning that out for Easter. Uh, and, and, and I love their heart for service. There's, there's a couple in the church named Jean and Joyce. Now, you, um, they're usually about the first here, the last to leave. They're here every Wednesday, Saturday evening, every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. They're, they're in our sovereigns. Faith cometh by. Well, they help your faith by hearing that word of God. Now, you look back, and what, what you normally see is that, you know, like bobbleheads you know, back there. You just see the head. But I want you to know. Underneath that head is a gigantic heart for service because they've been doing that for 20 years, maybe 21 years now, and, and serving this congregation behind the scenes. Then, then there is this, this guy named Bob. Bob, he loves to be able to minister to, well, those who are addicted. Now, sometimes it's challenging to be around these people because they're really struggling with something that's trying to control their lives. And he's bringing the Word of God into their lives. Every Wednesday night here at CFA, that from 6 to 7 o'clock, if you online or here in the congregation or one of those individuals or know someone, invite them to come to that because you may not know who he is, but those individuals know that they could count on him and bringing them that comfort, direction, and strength to overcome those addictions. I love our worship team. I, I love when they come. You know what? They, they're here on Saturday nights. They're here early Sunday mornings. They're here early Wednesday nights. They're here for Sunday morning boat services to bringing that worship that you could sense to be a part of. Uh, there's Cal and Denise. Cal and Denise, uh, they, they work in bringing up a team to, well, before every service, after every service, they're, they're spraying down, their, them and their team, all these pews to make sure everything is safe for you to sit in. Anything that you touch on the surface is being wiped down. I appreciate their love. I've been told that there's about 
well, 50% plus of those who attend this church serve. Now, there's a saying that the most churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Well, that's not true here at CFA. And, and you think, well, that's great, Pastor. Then why are you preaching on servanthood? Because I don't have 100%. Now, that might sound, well, why? Isn't that kind of greedy? You want everybody doing something? Yes. If Jesus went after the one sheep, why can't I go after the other 50%? Because it's not only the work that you're doing, but I'm going to be talking to you about what it does in your life. So I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I am so excited about this word. Excited because what it teaches us this very day. I ask, Lord, that you would direct us and minister to us. Help us to understand this calling that is in our lives. And we will give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I said calling. Now, everyone's not called to be a pastor, but everyone is called to serve. Do you know what my job is? My job is that to help equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. I equip, train, motivate, um, and help you to be ready to do the ministry. Hmm. Here's the thing that dawned on me a while back is that you want to know what to do? You pay me to help train you to do the work. It's kind of cool, isn't it? And, and, and I, you like that. But, but there's a reason for that. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about a person that's going to show you what the heart of a servant really looks like. It, it's really a biblical model of this individual. And, and this individual that we're going to be talking about really is not an upfront person. He works behind the scenes. And I want you to see something that what he does week in, what he did week in and week out. His name was Andrew. He's one of the disciples. There are three things that I want to bring to your attention this morning, and it's found out of John, the first chapter. What we're going to see is the kind of person that Andrew is. And, and, and see, Andrew really didn't make the disciples look better, look good. I would love to have him in my church because I love my volunteers and workers and pastoral staff and everybody that makes me look good because all of their work in which they do behind the scenes. But here's something that Andrew knew, one of those significant insights of the ministry, and that is he vowed the value of people. So let's look at John. The first chapter, verses 41 and 42. We're going to see here the effectiveness of this kind of ministry. See, the very first thing that we see in Andrew is that when he came and he met Jesus, one of the very first things that he did is that he went and told his brother, Peter, come and see the Messiah. Well, Messiah in the Greek is, is means Christ. And what we see when Jesus saw Andrew's brother, he said this, you are Simon, son of John. 
you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Here is a beautiful example behind the scenes that how Andrew thought about his brother. Remember the, the times when, when the Greeks, they wanted to know who Jesus was. They wanted to meet him. So what they did is they went to Philip. Philip and they, they, Philip was a Greek, and, and they wanted him to be able to introduce them or somehow come in connection with Jesus. And, and what does Philip do? He does say, okay, let me, I'll take you to Jesus. He goes to Andrew. And Andrew is the one that he, uh, he kind of finds people. And he connects them with Jesus. You know, he's a guy that, remember that this story about the 5,000 men plus women and children? And, and he's the guy that found this kid with a little lunch. He, he, he is like the amber alert of the, of the New Testament. He knows how to help people find Jesus. He has this, this love to be able to connect them with them. There are five principles in serving people. Number one, character is more important than gifts. I'd like to pause on that. Character is more important than gifts. What we are and who we are is more important than what we do. I always think of these these athletes at the Super Bowl and all this. You know, I, I, it just amazes me is how they can can jump and, and catch a ball with one finger, it seems like, and they tip it to their way and they bring it in and they make the touchdown. That's wonderful. That's what they do. But what's more important is who they are because they have a platform to be able to impact a lot of people's lives. It's no different for us as servants of the Lord. Number two, being godly is more important than being right. Being godly is more important than being right. You know, all, we have all types of, of opinions in which we may want to share with people, but what God wants is that he wants us to live righteously. Number three, love is more important than good works. Wow. I'm seeing kind of maybe not saying stuff that we do is not important. I'm saying what's behind that service is extremely important. Love of the body of Christ and the love of people is more important than anything that we do or have. Number four, you cannot lose by being a learner. I'm going to talk to you about that a little later because the, 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 you just can't lose. When you have that servant's heart, you learn. And when you learn, you win. Number, uh, number five, there's always room for one more servant. It, there, is, there is a passion that, that I have and have 100% of people serving because of what we can do in the world today around us. I want one more. Give me one more. Uh, I, I even have this mindset, as, as I probably I know the Lord is not going to do that for me, but, but I says, you know, Lord, is that when you return and you, and, and you, the rapture, you bring the body of Christ up for that next seven years, maybe leave me behind. <laughs> 
just for seven years. You can take me then because I'm going to have a church filled with people like never before because they're going to be looking for answers. And, and there will be multitudes of millions coming to Jesus Christ at that time. But he wants us to have that principles of valuing people. But we see what, what the value of people is. But we also need to know the value of who we are and live in that life. The second significant insight of Andrew, his heart is a value of invisible service. Hmm. Now, I'm speaking towards the behind-the-scenes ministry. And believe me, that's where, that is absolutely where servanthood really takes its roots. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Andrew, that, that this guy who, who grew up with Peter, and, and that he knew, he knew the characteristic of Peter, and he knew that when, when he introduced Peter to Jesus, something is going to be happening. Because Peter was this type of guy that just filled the room. He walked in it. Everybody he knew he was there. And he was this charismatic person that, that people really liked to follow. I don't know if they liked to follow because, well, they want to see him, you know, watch me do this, jump off a cliff or something, or, or because he was so spontaneous. But, but, but Peter was a leader. He's not afraid to go out and take that steps of leadership. And he knew that once, once Jesus came in contact and seen the leadership ability of, of his brother Pete, something's going to happen between Andrew and Jesus. See, see, what happens here, it's basically is, is this. He's saying, the moment that I introduce Peter to Jesus, I know that I'll never be the one on the top, one of the top disciples. I'll never be in the inner circle. I know that I'll never be able to spend much time with Jesus as Peter does, that's for sure. And I, I know immediately that Jesus will see Peter's leadership ability and he'll see those qualities that have made him who he is. And I know that he will immediately take Peter and I kind of fall back. And near the end of where all the disciples are. But you see, he did it anyway. Why? Because he had a servant's heart. He, he basically was saying this. It's okay. I don't have to be up front. I don't have to be in the inner circle. I don't have to sing the solo. I don't have to preach the message. I don't have to teach the lesson. It's okay if others don't see me as long as I'm involved behind the scenes. See, what happens, I love about the nitty-gritty of people being in behind the scenes. Now, there is, there is, in this church, we have so many people doing that. Now, I'm not a behind-the-scenes guy. I do a lot of stuff that you may not see. But, but I kind of like being in front of people. Put me, put me in, 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 in the midst of a bunch of strangers, and I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm telling you. When we had the church picnics, 
We would have a couple hundred people at that church picnic, and then there would be outside of uh, where we were with all of our people, there would be this table, and there would be these, these people eating there. And I would notice that all of a sudden they stopped eating, they put their rugs down, and they would pray, which signaled, oh, they must be Muslim. Well, <laughs> you know me well enough. There is no way possible that I'm staying with our people at that moment. I'm sitting at their table. I'm eating whatever kind of food they have with their hands. They wrap it and, you know, and talking to them. And, and Arlene's looking at them and says, you've got to be kidding me. Because yeah. I love it's just, I, to be there with people. But you people, your servant's heart helps me to do what I do. Because you have a heart to work behind those scenes to make all of this happen. Here's what I know is that servants heart people, that servanthood people have a pure heart. They're doing it for God because they want to be seen. No, because they are just madly in love with him. They're not doing it for the applause. They're not doing it for the recognition. They're not doing it for the praises of others. And Jesus knows this is that he said, the way to greatness is servanthood. And how do I know that he knew that? Is because, is there anyone greater? And what does he do? At the moment when, when everything's coming together, he's about to be crucified. Everything is, is all the pressures of, of this crucifixion is on him. And what does he do? He washes the disciples' feet. Wow, that's a servant's heart. I don't know if you know the name of a gentleman named Dawson Troutman. He passed away, and he's the founder of the Navigators, just an incredible ministry that was there for college students and young adults and high school students. Well, when he died, there was... People were getting up and sharing, and it was a pastor from Taiwan, and they... And, and he asked to say something about this man, what they appreciate. He goes, well, this, this amazing man came to Taiwan, and, and we were ministering, and then we went on this, one day on this hike. And it was, well, not a very good day because it rained and was muddy and dirty, but it was a great hike. And when they returned, they were just absolutely exhausted. They just fell in bed and went to sleep. He goes, what I remember about this amazing man was when I woke up in the morning, sometime during the night or early in the morning, that Dawson got up, he cleaned off my boots, and then he polished them. He goes, that was a servant's heart. There was a woman named Ruth Colton. She, she wrote, well, she writes poetry, and she wrote a poem which she entitled, I Wonder. I want to read it to you. You know, Lord, I, I serve you with great emotional fervor in the limelight. You know how eagerly I speak of you in my women's uh, clubs, and you, and you know how excited I get when I promote a fellowship group, and you know how I love to teach the Bible study, but 
how would I act? I wonder. If you pointed to me, pointed to me a, a basin of water and asked me to wash the callous feet of a bent and wrinkled old woman day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw, in a room where nobody knows. I wonder. Remember the story of, of the mother of James and John? You know, I mean, she loved her boys. What mother doesn't love their boys? My mother loved her boys. She loved me. I knew that. She would go to every one of my football games, and she would, she would sit in the rain cheering me on. And she wouldn't say, go, Tom. She would go, go, we're cozy. I'm your son. But there was a whole lot of probably other Toms around. They wanted, she wanted them to know who her son was. She loved her son. She sat in that rain and just watched me get beat bad, you know. <laughs> but in her eyes, I was the greatest. Well, in the eyes of, well, the mother of James and John, they were the greatest. And, and here's, here's what she said to Jesus in verse 20 of Matthew 20. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit on your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. What she was is she was boasting, and she really wanted the best of uh, for her children. She she knew that that they well were with the right person, and she wanted them in the right place. But, but here's Jesus' response to this. In verse twenty five, he says this. Jesus called them together, and he said. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so much with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, anybody want to become great? You know, maybe good. Among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your servant. Then he didn't say last, it said slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The Son of God, the one who was a part of creating the universe, came to serve us. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. I, I, I love before the first service is talking John Cassell about this, and, and he made a statement. He, he says, I think, get out of my head, especially get out of my nose, because you know the best way is to get up is to go down. The best way to greatness is downward. And that is so absolutely true, is that becoming that servant. Here's what I want you to know about a servant leader. A servant leader and the higher that you go in a leadership position, the fewer options that you have. You give up your rights. We spoke about that. We give up our rights to serve. Well, I have the right to. Well, you do, but you don't. You, you give them up. 
And, and when you join the church, sometimes we, we join a church and, and, and we, we want to be a part of, of something and, 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 and we join a church and, and, and you say, well, pastor, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there Sunday mornings. I'm going to be there Wednesdays. I'm going to be there for you. And I'm thinking, thank you. Wonderful. Great. But if you're just there. And you're not serving. You are missing the best part of being a part of Chandler First Assembly of God. It's being a part. Our desire isn't that just a bunch of people come on Sundays or Wednesdays. I want a bunch of people. But my desire is that you be a part of the team. That you be a part of the cause. Let's say that. Be a part of that kingdom work which God wants to do. Because there is a job to be done. But also, there's something in it for you as well. Because, you see, we learn and we grow through these things. The, what, what happens sometimes is, is boy, I, can, I get caught up in, in the worship. It, I have to be careful is, is that I forget it's time to preach because I'm just so lost in the worship that, that I forget that you're here. The only person that I'm focusing in is on Christ. I, I, I love the emotion part of it. I mean, I'm an emotional kind of person. I, I don't care who wins the game today, but I guarantee you I'm going to get emotional watching it. And I'm going to say, just say, who are you talking to? It's a TV, you know, because I just, I'm just that kind of person. I can get emotional over anything, but when it deals with the things of Christ, I'm lost in that emotion. But what I don't want is, is that there's times, there's people get emotional in that game. They get all stirred up. They get just yelling and hollering and everything else. And when it's all over with, it's all over with. They're not changed. They just got all riled up. What I don't want is for us as a congregation that we, all, we get stirred. We get charged up. We get excited. Man, that was great worship. That was a wonderful sermon. Wow. But I don't want us stirred. I want us changed. I want something to happen within our lives that impacts the kingdom of God. Because I value the significance in people. Number three. Random. Number three, the value of insignificant gifts. Remember the 5,000 when Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus women and children with a few loaves of bread and, and a few fish, and, and Andrew shows up with his lunch from this kid, thinking it's, it's a kid's lunch. Oh, Maybe maybe he just wanted that lunch with Jesus so that he was felt good. People before the service, the second service, Skip would always bring me a cup of tea because he wants my me to feel good and he wants my strength there and he wants my voice. I know I'm good for the second service and and I love his heart. Maybe Andrew bringing that that little lunch for that kid, but but little is much in the hands of God. We've seen what he did. He fed, well, 5,000 plus women and children out of that little lunch. I mean, there's Moses out in the wilderness walking with his, his staff, 
just a staff for Pete's sake. And yet he holds it over the Red Sea and it divides little as much in the hands of God. There was this, this, this father was mowing his lawn and, and that he wanted to do it quickly because he was hungry. Dinner was going, about to be ready. And his five-year-old son, little Mickey, comes out to him and says, Daddy, could I help? Okay. So his son gets in between him and, and he can't push. It's just too small to push that lawnmower. So his dad puts his hands beside him and he starts to push that lawnmower. Now, it took much longer for the job to be completed, but the job was completed, and, and, and his son partnered with his daddy. And, and when he partnered with his daddy, there was a closeness and there was an intimacy that happened. Here's, here's something that... that I know if I was God, I wouldn't choose me. And for peace's sake, God had a son. And, and, and God knew that there's a lot more people better than Tom or Cozy to be called in their ministry. I'll choose them and let him do whatever. But, but it wasn't about just the work. You see, he wants to partner with me because he wants me to grow closer to him. You, you see you online and you here in the sanctuary is that when we become a part of that work of the kingdom and that servanthood spirit, there is an intimacy, a relationship that begins to develop between you and God. You see, you grow in three ways. You grow through the Word of God, of course. You grow through the fellowship of the saints as coming together, and you grow through the ministry. There is nothing like doing it where we learn from what God is doing within our lives. We we begin to have that intimacy of seeing the work of the kingdom coming together. And the amazing thing is, is that I can partner with him. And it doesn't matter if it's a little lunch of a gift that we have to be able to serve. There is, Billy Graham mentions of a story about an 80-year-old woman. She would, she talking to Billy Graham and she says, you know, I just pray that, that the Lord would just take me home. 80 years old. Some of you are saying, Pastor, don't say that. I'm there or close to it or whatever, you know. But here's, here's the thing is that God spoke into her heart. And, and he said, he says, well, I have work for you to do. She goes, what could I do? I'm blind. And he reminded her that she had a Braille, well, um, uh, telephone directory. Tele Today, they drop off the telephone directory in my front porch and I throw it in the trash. Uh, I'm thinking, man, how many trees am I killing? 
Because if I need a phone number, I Google it or something it or ask someone and they text it to me. And, 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 and the thing is, is, is that she had this Braille telephone directory. He says, use it. So for the next nine years, she started with A and started making phone calls. In nine years, she led 3,000 people to the Lord. Now, listen to this. Nine years, 3,285 days. Every 11 days, every day, she led one person to the Lord. Then the 12th day, I don't know if she took a break or she didn't get any responses. But then the very next day, she started over again. And she next 11 days, she led 11 people to the Lord. In nine years, 3,000 people to the Lord. I'm thinking, wow, there she is, what she has done. And I have all my faculties. I could see, talk, hear, listen. I could do all these things. And I asked myself, what is it that that am I doing in servanthood for the Lord? See, let me tell you about 10 truths about ministry. The foundation of ministry is character. The nature of ministry is servants. The motive of ministry, simple, it's love. The measure of ministry is sacrifice. It's going to cost, but boy, it's worth every cost. The authority of ministry is submission. The purpose of ministry is the glory of God. The toll of ministries are the word of God and prayer. The privilege of ministry, the privilege of ministry is growth. When we serve, we grow. He has us grow to be a part of the work of the kingdom of God. You want to grow in Christ? Get involved. Become a servant. The power of ministry is the Holy Spirit. I love that. Because even the simplest of finding the little boy's bag of lunch, he was able to give Andrew that insight to find it. The model of ministry is Jesus Christ. We're about to partake in this communion. I love the communion. I love to be able to be a part of what God is doing within our lives, how he touches our lives, and to remember the heart of which he has done. Let me read something to you here. It's out of 1 Corinthians 11th chapter, verse 23. And it reads this way. And I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. (laughs) Sounds like an Andrew, doesn't it? I have received what I deliver unto you. What God has given to me, I'm giving to you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. The same night in which he was experiencing all of that 
pain, realizing that he is about, well, to go through the most horrid experience. He's, he took time to be with his disciples, to teach them something. He took the bread. And when he's given thanks, he broke it and he said, um, take eat of this of my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he took the cup. He says, when you have supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in which, of, um, in my blood, this do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye show the Lord's death until I come. And then, then, then here's what he says. He says, I, I want you, though, before you do this, I, I want you to examine yourselves. Here's what I'm asking of you this morning in this subject. I'm not here to, to put guilt on you or to shame you into anything. I'm here because I want to teach you. I want you to grow in a relationship, in an intimacy, in a partnership with God like no other time in your life. And so I ask of you, as you are preparing to receive this communion, I ask of you to ask yourself, what is your gifts? And how does God want to use them? Now, you may be saying, I don't have any gifts. Well, I'm going to tell you something, my friend. You are wrong. Is Andrew, he was just this people finder. He used that gift to bring people to Jesus, to invite them to come to meet him. He found that boy's lunch. How hard can that be? But I want you to know that anything that you have to offer God, he will use it. And remember, the simplest things can be the greatest works of God's kingdom. And look at us. Took a little bit of dust, you know. <sighs> Made us. Incredible. Physicians are still trying to figure us out. That's why they call it a practice, you know. Because we're so complicated. Everyone's different. Everyone's unique. Everyone is absolutely beautifully made in his image. So I want you to ask, what is it? And then also ask, what am I holding back from being that servant from you? Let's examine ourselves. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning as we take this moment to examine ourselves, first of all, I ask, Lord, is there anything there in our lives that is separating us from you, preventing us to be everything that you want us to be? Reveal that to us and help us to know that with your help, we can well, overcome anything. And as we are praying with our heads bowed, if I'm speaking to you, and, and this is that moment where you're saying, Lord, I want to do more for you, but I haven't been. 
I allowed things to come in my life which brought a separation from you and I. I want to renew that relationship. Or, or maybe you're an individual who's never done this at all, and you want to make that commitment to Christ there online or here in the sanctuary. You're saying, I want Christ in my life. Will you pray for me, Pastor? And if you're one of those individuals, just for a moment, I just want you to look up at me and say, you're talking to me, Pastor. Remember me in prayer. Thank you. Wow, I love this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you online. You're not looking at me. You're looking up at Christ. Look up at him. He sees that. Let me pray for you, Heavenly Father. It is in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that I pray, Lord, that you would touch these lives. Let us know that as we make this commitment to you, to be a follower of Christ, to servanthood. Lord, that you will be with us there every step of the way. And we celebrate this day that we could declare that we are your child and you are our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take this wafer, if you would, please. This is a symbol of his body that was broken for us. I love the idea that he is this, well, by his stripes, we are healed. He's this one who specializes in putting back together. He wants to restore, to renew, not only our our spiritual lives, and and not only, well, our our physical lives, but maybe our, our emotional lives, my attitude. My attitude is, I want to serve you, Lord. No matter what it may be, I'll do. So, Heavenly Father, do a restoring work in our lives, remembering that that restoration is every aspect of us. It's our emotions, our spiritual lives, our physical lives. You are in that job of bringing wholeness in our lives, and we receive that in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may partake. Mm. In my journey, in my walk in Christ, there's a few times I had some transfusions going on in my life. Here's a transfusion. Is the, the blood of Christ. This is simple. But is that restoring work and what Christ can do within our lives. And it's through that transfusion that we can come to realize that we truly are conformed into his image. And I celebrate that transformation. So, Heavenly Father, restore, renew, make new again. That work that you want to do in our lives, who we are as followers of Christ. We remember what you have done. We celebrate what you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray.